The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Wednesday, the 3rd of August. I'm Michael Bailey, and today we're asking... Is Josko Gvardiol worth 90 million euros? He's almost perfectly built for his position. I would say, regardless of formation, would probably walk into pretty much any club team in the world at the moment. What have we learned from Liverpool's time in Singapore? In the four friendly games they've played, including the two in Singapore, they've scored 15 goals but conceded 10. And as Gigi Buffon retires, how will the goalkeeping giant be remembered? He is very much seen as the number one number one. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Michael Bailey. We start with Croatia international and Bundesliga defender Josko Gvardiol. Premier League and European champions Manchester City have agreed a fee of €90 million, that's almost £78 million and just shy of $99 million for the RB Leipzig centre-back. The 21-year-old is set to undergo medical tests later this week and all being well, he will be at the disposal of Man City head coach Pep Guardiola come the start of the Premier League season. Seb Staffer-Bloor writes about German football for The Athletic. Seb, what is it that would have convinced Manchester City to part with so much money for Josko Gvardiol? Well, simple answer really, Michael. I think they saw in him the finest left-sided centre-back in the world, who is still just 21 years old. He's almost perfectly built for his position. I would say probably, regardless of formation, would probably walk into pretty much any club team in the world at the moment. Wow, that's quite a ringing endorsement. Um, How have his Bundesliga performances with RB Leipzig been viewed in Germany? Yeah, Leipzig uh, occupy quite a strange space in Germany because obviously most of the media coverage is focused towards Bayern Munich and to a lesser extent Borussia Dortmund. There's been a lot of admiration. I think when it became clear that his future did not lie with Bayern Munich, then attention was sort of wavered a little bit. But I think there's been a lot of admiration for how quickly he's risen in the Bundesliga. He only joined Leipzig in 2021, so he's had two years his growth and evolution as a player has been absolutely remarkable. Perhaps taken for granted a little bit because Leipzig's talent identification has historically been so very good that there's been more of a kind of, oh, another one response to it. But yeah, clearly among the very, very best defenders in the in the country for a couple of years now. And now, yeah, probably the best in his position. I thought he impressed during the World Cup in Qatar uh, as well. Uh, by all accounts, Seb, uh, Gvardiol's nickname has at times been little pep now uh, we know he's likely to be signed by big pep and from everything you said it sounds like he is ready made to excel in the premier league i'd say so there are a few rough edges i think what you're getting with him is a first-rate passer a very very skillful player an excellent carrier so all of those things tick a box for for actual pep what i would say is that there are occasions when he can be impetuous which perhaps with a possession-heavy dominant team like Manchester City won't show up so much. And actually, if you're if City have a weakness historically, it's been a kind of a vulnerability to the counter-attack. Guardiola has the athletic abilities to 
nullify most breaking players so that's an obvious strength but just watch out for him in the tackle every now and again there can be a yes there, there can be a compulsiveness there can be a desire to be a little bit too proactive which can lead to some sort of slightly ugly moments but by no means should that be considered anything other than a little bit of a flaw and something which as a 21 year old player there's certainly a lot of time to iron that kind of thing out for a more in-depth look at Josko Gvardiol, keep an eye on the Athletic Football Podcast, where Ayo Akinwalere and team will be discussing the defender. You can find that wherever you find your podcasts. Let's switch from Manchester to Liverpool via Singapore. Liverpool have been on tour in Asia as part of their preparations for the season, in which time they've thrashed new championship side Leicester, seen Jordan Henderson leave for Saudi Arabia, named Virgil van Dijk as captain, lost 4-3 to German champions Bayern Munich and plenty more besides. The Athletics' Andy Jones has been following their progress. Andy, Liverpool are heading back to the UK. What have you learned from their time in Singapore? I think the main takeaways are that they are excellent going forward, but still suspect defensively. Um, In the four friendly games they've played, including the two in Singapore, they've scored 15 goals but conceded 10. So while the, the front five, if you like, are fit and firing and all fighting for a spot in the start 11 for the game at Stamford Bridge, um, in, in sort of ten days' time, the, the defense still looks um, a little bit suspect as it has as it did you know last season, and, and that's partly to do with the system switch. And they've still got issues to iron out in that department, definitely. There are about four weeks left of the transfer window. You mentioned some of those defensive issues. Will Jurgen Klopp still look to address those before the transfer window closes? Speaking before the the Bayern Munich game, he he indicated that that sort of that number six position, which as you mentioned, John Henderson and Fabinho have left the club. Both of them could sort of play in that role. Fabinho, especially as a specialist in, in the number six role, and um, they're definitely looking at players to replace them. They've they've had a second bid rejected for for Romeo Lavia, and have also made contact with with Fluminense for a young midfielder called Andre, who we don't know loads about, but Liverpool evidently think he's he's a player who could fit the fit the bill and um you know make up a a place that has been has been left by by those outgoing um, and defensively, I don't think there's a guarantee. It's not guaranteed that they bring anyone in, but I think that the targets and sort of a left, a young left-sided centre back, if anything, given especially given Trent sort of moved back into that right inverted right full-back role. He played number six a little bit earlier in the in the preseason, but now he's gone back into that role. It seems pretty clear that he's number one choice there. So um, I think if they do do anything defensively, it will be sort of that young centre back. Finally, Andy, last season wasn't great, obviously, finishing fifth in the Premier League and having to settle for Europa League football. What should Liverpool supporters' expectations be for the coming campaign? This is a tricky one because I think every Liverpool fan would want to be back where they've been for you know a large portion of Jürgen Klopp's reign, which is, is challenging for the title. But given the, the sort of upheaval that was somewhat unexpected with the you know Henderson exit and Fabinho exit, that midfield, which was had gone through a little bit of a rebuild, needs a bit more of a rebuild. And again, it's a little bit more unpredictable. The two signings have made in Sabozla and McAllister have, you know, fitted in seamlessly and, and look right, like really two really good players. And they'll stay, certainly looks like they're going to score a lot of goals, but it is whether they can solve those defensive issues. And I think the first step will be making sure they're back in the Champions League next season. But they are, they'll hope to start the season well and then build on that momentum and, and you never know if there's a title challenge possible. But I think expectations are slightly a little bit lower given the flux of, of what's happened so far in the, in the summer. 
You can get more from Andy and the rest of the Liverpool crew over at Walk On, the Athletic's dedicated Liverpool podcast. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. We finish with a legend. Italian goalkeeper Gianluigi Buffon has announced his retirement from football at the age of 45 after a 28-year playing career. It included breaking the world record transfer fee paid for a goalkeeper, 10 Serie A titles, winning the 2006 World Cup and a reputation that forged Buffon's name into the consciousness of football fans across the world. James Horncastle is our Italian football expert and he joins us now. James, what is it that has set apart Gigi Buffon's career from so many others? Well, I remember when he burst onto the scene and in Italy at the time there was a feeling that, you know, Dino Zoff was the kind of greatest goalkeeper ever to play for Italy uh, because he'd won the World Cup in 1982. He'd been part of great Juventus sides. But Buffon really from his debut. I mean, it's one of the all-time great debuts uh, against the great AC Milan uh, in 1995, where they had you know one Ballon d'Or winner in Roberto Baggio, and they had George Weah, who was soon to win the, the Ballon d'Or as well. And this teenager, who nobody had heard anything about, uh, comes into the team, and everyone's expecting, as good as Palmer were at the time, because no one had heard of him and the quality of the opposition, they thought they were going to get pumped. And Buffon comes in and <laughs> you know, makes these just unbelievable sort of saves on uh, Stefano Eragno uh, and George Ware as well. But it was very clear very quickly that he was, um, he was special and he is one of one. You know, I know he sometimes likes to write, or the Italian papers like to write Gigi, his name, instead of the eyes with with ones, um, just because he is very much seen as the number one, number one. We're talking about almost three decades of Gigi Buffon playing. Have you got a favourite anecdote or tale of Buffonery, if you will, James? <laughs> the kind of great Juventus team of the last decade, which won nine league titles, did the double four times, got to two Champions League finals. I remember his last chance of winning the Champions League, the trophy that he coveted so much. They play Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. They come back from 3-0 three, three down, I think, in the first leg, and it's they're going to take the game to extra time. And then Medi Benatia gives a penalty away late in that game. And it's Michael Oliver who gives the penalty. And Buffon, I mean, he, he didn't immediately regret this, but he... He accused Michael Oliver afterwards of having a dustbin for a heart. <laughs> and um, that's, cause he, and that's just because Gigi cared so much. He was a big romantic. Um, and um, I, think, I think whenever anyone watches their team or watches their national team, they want the best people involved to care the most. And I, I think any Italian always felt that he was all in, you know, he, he, he loves his country. He cares about winning and, and bringing glory to, and happiness to his country. And he was able to do that. And there are other times when he wasn't. And it, 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 very, it clearly upset him. On to the telly. And there's the final round of group stage matches in the World Cup leading the way. 11am is the time in the UK. And the matches are Colombia against Morocco and South Korea versus Germany. 
All four teams can technically still qualify for the knockout stages, but all eyes will be on the two-time champions Germany as they look to avoid following in the footsteps of Canada and yesterday Brazil in exiting the tournament at an unprecedented early stage. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Michael Bailey. Your producer was Abby Patterson and executive producer was Ben Green. Adam Leventhal will be with you tomorrow, so make sure you subscribe. And if you've got time, we would love you to leave us a review and tell your friends, family and colleagues about us as well. In the meantime, have a great day. The Athletic.